I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith in our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had a great conversation with Bo Bonner about how to disagree without being disagreeable. And it seems like that's uh, something that is lacking in our world today. Uh, There's plenty of opportunities to disagree. Just go onto social media, spend five minutes there, and you will find someone to disagree with. And if that if that doesn't work out for you, just go over to YouTube, uh, click through one or two videos, and lo and behold, you're going to find an opportunity to disagree. So we had that conversation about how do we go about engaging in our day when we are uh, maybe sidetracked or maybe uh, maybe ambushed by an opinion that we disagree with. How do we disagree without being disagreeable. Today, we're going to take that one step further uh, and how we're going to talk about how to seek out conversations with people with whom we disagree, specifically knowing that we're going to disagree from the get-go. Uh, as uh, we talked with Bo, I had in mind those conversations that sneak up on us. Now I want to talk about going with full expectation into a conversation uh, that we're going to have some significant disagreement and how to use that conversation, a specific conversation style, uh, to be witnesses of the gospel in a way that it may not, on the surface, look like all that much witnessing. We're going to be talking today with Tony Vicenda. He's got a brand new podcast called Threshold. It's about threshold conversations, those conversations that help us to build bridges of trust that would make someone even interested in the gospel. You know, there's more to witnessing than going and standing on a street corner with a bullhorn. Uh, Now, certainly in Scripture, we see that kind of witnessing, like with uh, Jonah going and standing on a bullhorn, walking through the center of town and saying, 40 days and Nineveh will be no more. And we we like that prophetic image of of witnessing. Let's just go and tell them what's going to happen if they don't turn around. But I don't know if you've noticed in the book of Jonah Um, Jonah didn't really want to do what God wanted to do. I mean, from the very beginning, Jonah was not really set on being the prophet of the Lord to the people with, with whom he disagreed, right? He, he got on a boat going the opposite direction, uh, and was then thrown overboard when a storm took over, uh, and was swallowed by a giant fish, sat in the belly of the fish for three days with all the stomach acids and whatnot, doing probably a pretty good number on him. Uh, and and so even when he got there, he he was not thrilled with sharing the message of God to them. He kind of went through with his arms crossed and uh, walked through the center of town, found the bullhorn, found a corner, and and decried their situation. Now, by the mercy of God, God got through to them through the Holy Spirit, and the whole city repented. But it wasn't because of of Jonah's great. Uh, oratory skills, right? Uh, God used Jonah in spite of Jonah. And so as much as, yes, we see that in Scripture, that's not so much what you and I are called to as we share the good news of Jesus Christ, whether the kerygma is the, the word that we use for specifically the message that we were created by God in God's image. We 
fell. We sinned. We have now been marred by original sin because of the choice of Adam and Eve. All of creation has been marred by their choice. And yet God, seeing our condition, humbled himself. He condescended. He became man. He took on flesh. He put on our nature. He redeemed our nature by his life, his death, his resurrection. And now we are restored to relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, that's That's the whole message. That's the whole story. And yet, that message doesn't in and of itself uh, necessarily carry the same resonance or weight that it once did because our, our society has become dull to it. And so we have to create conversations of trust and put ourselves in a place where the person to whom we're speaking can hear us over the noise, over what they expect. They expect that that Jonah-style fire-and-brimstone accusation rather than what Christ did. Christ came to our level. Christ put on our nature uh, and became like us in all things but sin and then brought us into redemption. And so we too are called just like Jesus. We're called to be his hands and feet, to go out into those places that are not really what we would necessarily choose, right? We're called to go uh, into places that are dark. We're called to go into places that um, that his name is not known, or is at least his nature is not known. And we're called to be a new incarnation, not in the same way, right? We're not God incarnate, and yet we are the enfleshment of Jesus to the world around us. And so that requires a certain demeanor. It requires a certain boldness. It requires uh, a certain cognizance of how will I best be understood by the people who don't know. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, having these threshold conversations, how to go about it, uh, how to begin uh, really building that trust with someone so that they can eventually receive the good news. Here's the deal. People don't generally uh, trust Christianity immediately. It takes time. In fact, uh, some of the studies I've read, uh, I think it was like 21, it may be more than that now, uh, 21 experiences with authentic Christianity before a person will convert. Now, for some of us, we grew up in Christian homes, and so we saw those 21 instances of Christianity pretty early. It was not a problem. But some people are not exposed to Christianity all that often. And sometimes what they do see uh, is not an authentic Christianity, but one that, uh, that causes them to recoil. And so we uh, who are ministers, according to Paul, ministers of reconciliation, we have a, a big task ahead of us to show the love of God, to spread his love abroad in a way that is attractive. It's not permissive, right? <clears throat> love calls us to conversion. It calls us out of uh, who we are and into who God wants us to be. And yet, it meets us where we are. And so our task as, as lovers of Jesus Christ is to be present, to be present to those people who don't know Jesus, to be present to them without an agenda, only because 
They are made in the image and likeness of God, and God loves them. So even though I desire that they would come into relationship with God, I have to go and just meet them where they are because they are loved by God. It's a tricky task. It's a hard task. And that's why we're going to have this conversation a little bit later in the show. Now, before we get there, uh, I came across something the other day that I would like to, uh, to make you aware of. And it's the Fisher's Net Awards. Fisher's Net Awards. And they've got, uh, basically, it's an award for people uh, and creators who are authentically Catholic and are sharing uh, their mission. They're, they are sharing in the mission of, of Christ, and they are sharing the good news with, with everyone around them. And I, if you like this show, if you listen to it, whether you listen to it live uh, on Saturdays on the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network, or whether you listen to it on the podcast, uh, if you like it, I'd love for you to go over to bestcatholicwebsites.com and nominate Outside the Walls uh, in the podcast category. Now, I, I don't want to twist your arm. If, uh, if you just listen every once in a while just in passing, uh, don't worry about it. But if you really love the show, uh, if you listen week in and week out, and you think it's one of the best Catholic podcasts out there, even if you don't listen to the podcast version of this, well, please do us a favor. Go over to bestcatholicwebsites.com. Click that uh, podcast category and nominate outsidethewalls.com for that award. I'd love to be considered uh, by them. I'd love to get the word out a little bit broader so that we have a, a larger community uh, getting together over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls and on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls, talking about these important conversations that we have week after week. Uh, also, just in case you missed it, we have extra content that doesn't make it onto the air. We've got an extra segment each week where we talk with our guests uh, a little bit further, a little bit more in depth. Uh, and that's available to all the folks who support Outside the Walls over on Patreon. Uh, you can get there uh, by going to OutsideTheWalls.com, clicking the Patreon Support the Show link. And for as little as $2 a month, you get access to all kinds of extra content. There are different levels of support and different uh, different rewards that you get for supporting us uh, month in and month out. So everything up to uh, mentions on the show, you get extra audio content. We have book giveaways. We have video chats. So why don't you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click on that Patreon support the show link, see what what rewards may interest you and what you may may be able to do to help us continue the good work here on Outside the Walls. But even if you're not able to support us financially, one of the things you can do to support the show and expand our reach is to go to your social media, whichever platform you have, and share a link to OutsideTheWalls.com. Introduce your friends and your acquaintances to all the content we've got. This is, I think, episode 153. Lots of good stuff here. I'd love to have you share it with your friends. Join us over on Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls on Twitter the handle's at Outside the Walls, and this conversation just keeps going. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking with Tony Vicenda out of uh, Seattle, just outside of uh, Shoreline, Washington. Uh, and uh, we're talking today about threshold conversations. And it, it's uh, appropriate because he has a brand new podcast together with Father Colin Parrish called Threshold. Tony, thank you for being with us today. No problem, Tim. How's it going today? It's going great. Talk a little bit about uh, the impetus behind starting the podcast and specifically a podcast that deals <clears throat> with threshold conversations. Yeah. So one of the things that I really love to do and my uh, my teaching style and approach to conversations around faith um, really is deeply Socratic. So I, I like to ask big questions. I like to sit down with people and talk about issues of importance and substance. And I don't think there's anything more substantive than a conversation about what someone believes. I think if if we really look at the way that we're wired as human people, the what we believe should be the primary thing that influences every decision that we make in our life. And not in an overbearing moralistic way, but just in a way that our beliefs, what we think about a situation, the way an individual perceives the reality of the world around them, those things impact the way that they make decisions. So if I really wanna know somebody, I usually want to know what they think about a couple of big life questions in order to get a better sense of who they are and how they view the world so I can know um, just really kind of who they are at their core. If you ask somebody, hey, you know, just tell me who you are and your deepest identity, a lot of people really struggle with that. If you dive into questions about what they believe and you're really intentional about pursuing that, you get a greater sense of who they are. And so that's really the, the impetus behind why I started The Threshold was just to be able to sit down and talk about what I think is the most important question we can ask, which is, what do you believe? Um, how did you come to believe that? And why does that matter in your daily life? Now, as we move on, before we get too deep in here, let's explain what is uh, the, what does it mean for a conversation to be a threshold conversation? What's that terminology? <clears throat> Yeah, so threshold conversation really comes out of a couple different places. There's some some good work by some non-Catholics over InterVarsity Press where they created this understanding of different faith thresholds and the kind of the different way that people journey through the process of faith. And this would be similar to um, you know if you're if you're a scholar out there, uh, Fowler's stages of faith or Westerhoff stages of faith, but it's a little bit more practically oriented towards discipleship. And then Sherry Waddell wrote a book called Forming Intentional Disciples a few years ago, and she really broke open the idea of sitting down with people and having a threshold conversation, looking at these five thresholds and trying to basically identify where somebody is at um, based on what, how they answered a few questions, right? The essential question in that is, can you tell me about your relationship with God? Um, that's kind of the essential question, um, because we would see somebody who's at a very early threshold, maybe just trust or curiosity, not having a relationship with God. They wouldn't articulate, they might be an atheist, right? They might be agnostic. They might even be Christian or Catholic, but not necessarily be able to articulate a relationship with God. They might just generally think religiosity is okay or good. Um, and then you might have people who can articulate, hey, I, I'm open to a relationship. Here's kind of what my abstract relationship with God looks like. And then you have people at higher thresholds that might be able to articulate a personal relationship with God and what that looks like in their life. Mm -hmm. So here we're having on, on your podcast, these threshold conversations with people of, of various stripes, people who are 
uh, either agnostic or belong to a different faith or uh, are practicing the Catholic faith pretty solidly. Uh, and, and I think that this is really fascinating to me because so often uh, in our culture, and maybe it's in the West in general, uh, we fall into that maxim, birds of a feather flock together, right? We find mm-hmm. people who are along our basic level that we can have conversations with that are fulfilling to us, that we feel built up in. Uh, but this in, a, in and of itself is not very conducive to the work of evangelization, which calls us to go outside of our comfort zone and into places that are really uncomfortable. Uh, and that would be some of what you're doing, talking with, with atheists and people of different faith. Uh, how do you... And as I've listened to your podcast, it's the Threshold Podcast. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it uh, on on the website. The website is uh, threshold dot thresholdpodcast.fm. Thresholdpodcast.fm. You are you have no agenda in these conversations. You know, a lot of times people think of evangelization and they think I have to come in and I have to go through these points to get these points across. So someone comes into the faith. And you're really just building a place of trust and rapport and letting someone tell their own story without any rebuttal. Uh, You're getting a sense for who they are, which is important before we go on to any other step. Yeah, I mean, the reality is I'm asking people to reveal a, a deep aspect of themselves. And so for me to enter into that with my own agenda, right, even though I may have desires, like I certainly have desires, and I'm very clear in our opening episode, like, I, I would love to have people be converted to what I believe is true. But if I'm sitting down with that being my agenda, my assumption is I have maybe nothing to learn from them and that I already know who they are. And so for me, it's it's really about entering into, like you said, the first stage of that, which is getting to know that person, getting to know who they are, getting to hear from them about what what transcendentally, like what what good, true, beautiful things are present in their life so that I can actually maybe call their attention to that, but maybe just have my own like faith experience enriched by hearing these good, true, beautiful seeds of the gospel that I see in their own life, even if they wouldn't refer to them that way. So it's, it's a really delicate balance, but it's something that I think is incredibly important as we sit down and enter into these conversations, especially as Catholics, we're, we're really bad at it. We're really bad at talking about how, what we feel about how we feel about God, what we think about our own personal life, about our own encounters with Christ and his church, we're, we're really bad at that. And so this is kind of an audience of, hey, I would love for non-Catholics to listen to this and be enriched by that there's a Catholic out there who's seeking to build bridges of trust with you, understand who you are, and come to know you more deeply. And I'm very transparent about the fact that yeah, man, if you converted, that'd be awesome. But that's not that's not what this is about. You know, that's not <laughs> that's not what this is. And then for Catholics to hear, hey, you know, this is a normal, natural conversation we should be able to have with people. This isn't weird. It's not awkward. It's actually deeply beautiful and healthy. And it's something that people really respond to when they know you're taking a healthy um I don't want to even use the word term disinterest because it's it's a disinterested attachment. That's kind of what you're naming. Like I'm disinterested in the outcome because it's not about my ego or my agenda. It's about, I know God is present in your life. And in this conversation, I'm hoping that we're able to explore how God is present in your life, even if you would never identify that. So talk to me a little bit about, about when you first really began to practice this, uh, this threshold conversation. Uh, if you don't mind share a very specific 
story, a conversation that you had that really opened your eyes to what this kind of discourse can look like? Yeah, I mean, I to a certain degree, it's something I've probably done since I was in high school. These were normal nighttime conversations for me when I had friends over and we'd be out sitting around, you know, a campfire when we would get together for parties. Like I was the weird guy in the corner trying to talk about like big matters and issues of life, probably because I really desperately wanted to seem deep and philosophical and have girls like me. Um, but the reality is it's, it's kind of always been there. When I originally just started kind of crystallizing for me really was when I moved to the Northwest. Um, you know, I moved from Texas uh, to one of the most unchurched parts of the country, one of the places that even though a significant part of the population is Catholic um, or Christian, it doesn't feel like it at all because no one talks about it. And so I was sitting down at a board game pub, um, which is uh, just a place where they, they serve beer and they have board games that you can buy or play. And it's a, it's a great experience. Um, and I had this guy who I was playing games with. We just had kind of met up. Um, I didn't know him. He was like, hey, do you want to come play a game? I said, sure. And I went and sat down with him and we were just talking about what they do. And then like it goes around the corner and it's, you know, I'm a computer programmer. I'm an artist, you know, Seattle. So nervous. And I said, I, I'm a, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a youth worker. And they said, what does that mean? And I said, I work for the Catholic church as uh, with youth and adults, you know, and that's what I do. And then this one guy goes, man, that's, that's so interesting. I've never talked to a Catholic before, which was weird because we're one out of every seven people on the planet. And so, right. <laughs> um, I said, Oh, now you have. And he, he said, can I ask you some questions? And I said, sure. And he um, said, can I ask you about, I he said, I was raised pagan, which I had never met anybody who was raised pagan before. I'd only met people who got really angsty as teenagers and turned pagan. And so <laughs> I, I was really interested. And I said, yeah, ask away. And he said, oh, tell me about the ashes on the forehead. Like you guys do that, right? That's the thing you guys do. And so he, um, he asked me a couple questions, you know, about that. And I explained that. And his response was, man, there's such power in that. There's such beauty in that. So there's this pagan guy, right? This guy who has no interest or desire in Jesus, who's deeply attracted to something the Catholic Church does already. So that became an automatic return into, well, you know, tell me about what you believe. Like you said, you're pagan. What does that mean? Are you Wiccan? You know, like, you know, what what exactly do you believe when you say that? And really, he's a polytheist is what it turned out to be. You know, he, he didn't necessarily have a really well-defined pagan practice so much as believing there were numerous gods. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just kind of walking through with that guy, you know, his, his faith experience really solidified, not only that he could ask me questions, but that I was interested in him. Um, and it started something of a friendship. They were like, do you want to come back to our house? Which I couldn't, uh, at that point I had to go, I had to go home, but it was this immediate invite of a Christian who was very, you know, culturally foreign to them into their most intimate space, um, over a board game and a good conversation over some beers. Um, and then, you know, we've, we've seen each other at the games where we play games together from time to time. It's a, it's a conversation that's continued to progress. And it's somebody who now has a very positive uh, view of the faith. We're talking today with Tony Vicenda. He's the founder and host of a new podcast called Threshold. You can find it over at thresholdpodcast.fm or on iTunes. Uh, it's worth a listen. Go subscribe. We're going to continue this conversation right after this as we talk about what it means for us to enter into dialogue with others. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking with Tony Vicinda. He uh, is the pastoral associate for evangelization and outreach at St. Luke's in Shoreline, Washington. He's also the uh, the host of a new podcast called Threshold. You can get it over on uh, iTunes or by going to thresholdpodcast.fm. Tony, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Timothy. So one, we, we, we know that it's important to have these conversations, and we know that the church is calling us all to evangelization, uh, but it can be daunting to a lot of people to have the kinds of conversations that you have in the Threshold podcast, because anytime that someone asks them a question, like the pagan asked you some questions, uh, they, there's this sense of uh, maybe I'm being challenged, maybe... Uh, that comes along with some anxiety of now I have to articulate it in such a way as to convince that person because they've just now put me on the spot. So you seem to have just a very naturally laid back, dispassionate uh, demeanor about you in general, but what would be some suggestions that you would give to folks who are maybe not quite as skilled at that dispassionate discourse uh, in having these kinds of conversations? Um, yeah, well, I, I want to name that came from actually that that patience and that kind of dispassionate interest came from just getting my heart broken over and over again. Um, and, I, and I mean that very, very truly. I grew up in the South and most of my tense uh, conversations around faith came not from pagans or Buddhists or Hindus or atheists, but from other Christians and the fact that I was a Catholic. And so um, even my close friends, I got quickly schooled in understanding, like, I can get somebody to agree with every point that I make. I can get somebody to agree with all the logic of my argument, and it still might not convert them at the end of the day. As a matter of fact, it probably won't. And so there really had to be some other element that I was missing in that. And it wasn't just about creating better rhetoric. It was about understanding, okay, what truly creates conversion of heart? What truly actually allows somebody to encounter Christ in a conversation in an intense and real way? And that that obviously wasn't logic because I could get somebody to agree with every point and then get to the end and say, as Catholics, we call that blah. And they would still mm-hmm. they would still say no. And that was hurtful when you're talking about the people you love the most who are kind of confronting you with these things and you're trying to get them to agree with you or just explain your position to have them be non-responsive. And so I realized that a big part of that was the ability to listen, to hear those things, but also to be less invested in the outcome. Um, And part of that was maintaining those friendships, maintaining a deeper desire for dialogue and helping that person grow in their understanding of truth, regardless of whether they were going to immediately change their mind about an issue on the spot. So it really was an understanding of I wanted to be willing to lose battles in order to win wars, right? I want to be able to to be okay with conversations not resolving cleanly or fully or or winning the conversation because I was more interested in winning the person, right? And 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 that starts it's a very slow patient process, right? It's not something that happens immediately overnight a lot of the time. There are plenty of people who I have conversations with who are really deeply seeking God, who are hungry for him, who experience conversion, um, who experience being drawn into the faith, going through RCIA and becoming Catholic. But for the vast majority of people, it's just one step in a very long process. And when I say that prayer of I surrender, what I really mean is I surrender this conversation to you, God. I surrender 
my life to you. I surrender my ego to you. This isn't about me or my agenda or what I want or my desire to be the greatest evangelist in the world. This is about the conversation you desire me to have with this person right now. So I surrender this to you and I offer it over to you and I give this to you, right? And that that simple two word prayer has changed so much of the life and the work and the ministry I do by just realizing that this is already God's and by putting it in its proper place and surrendering it to him, it's going to be more fruitful. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I had these conversations with my cousin who is a Catholic priest. I was, was working uh, in the, I grew up in the Protestant church and eventually worked in the Protestant church. And um, it took me 10 years of those conversations to where I finally came into the church. And so my whole framework of these kinds of conversations has been, hey, this takes a long time. And I remember uh, a conversation I had uh, with some friends of mine uh, and they, I, I had like two or three conversations with them. And the next thing I know, they're an RCIA. And I'm sitting here going, well, I'm really fascinated by this. Tell me about your journey. And their journey, he said, well, you know, we came over and talked to you and it was interesting. I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, like the 10 years before that. Uh, and so there really is, everyone is different. And, you know, even Paul talks about this. He says, some water, some plant. And some bring the increase, right? We we don't necessarily get to see the whole process every time, but what's important is that we participate in the process every time. Yeah. Now, in the podcast, you have these these conversations, these uh, really open, honest uh, conversations about belief, and then after that, you get all the way through the conversation, and then you have a conversation with Father Colin about the conversation. So talk to me about the purpose of part B, as it were, of each of these podcasts. Yeah, so I actually used to do these live at my parish, too. So I used to have these conversations live, and we'd bring in somebody. I'd do a 20-minute, 30-minute interview with them, and then we'd have time to just, in community, talk about what that person had said. Um, you know, with them in the room, they'd be able to respond to it. People could ask them follow-up questions. And um, originally, that wasn't a planned part of the podcast, but my friend Father Parrish is really uncomfortable and challenged by these conversations. He he grew up secular, completely secular, but has a hard time engaging people who aren't Catholic because he spent the last you know eight years in seminary and uh, a few years before that deeply diving into his faith. And so he wants people to to have that closeness. He has a hard time with that disinterest because he's a deeply passionate guy. And um, so I thought, you know, how great would it be to have him come in and listen to this interview, be challenged by this this conversation, and then be able to talk about uh, what we took away from that conversation, but also just kind of watch him journey through the process of getting more comfortable with those conversations. So that one's kind of a twofold. It's a, it's a compassionate uh, engagement with somebody who I love and helping them uh, get just more engaged with these types of conversations, but it's also just being able to name some of those, you know, seeds of the gospel or seeds of the word, the good, the true, the beautiful things that we heard in that conversation. Um, and sometimes that's really easy and sometimes that's really hard. And it actually doesn't matter what the person's religious perspective is. Sometimes uh, there are just these things that really jump to the forefront of that was amazing. And other times there are really way more things that challenge us or make it hard to talk about the conversation. Um, and, and that's just kind of a, an interplay that we go through. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got uh, six or seven episodes up now. Uh, what, what's, the, uh, what's the vision of this? Because you've had some that are uh, religious, even if they're not Catholic. 
You've got some that are non-religious, and then you have some that are uh, just exceptionally Catholic and doing good work. Uh, and so, you know, I guess when I approached it, I, I initially expected that it would be all threshold conversations with non-Catholics, but you've, you've broadened that out considerably. Uh, what's your hope moving forward with this thing? Yeah, so my hope from the get-go is about 50-50, because in order to be evangelist, the church must first herself be evangelized, right? right? We have to be able to share good conversations of faith from Catholics to other Catholics. And so I certainly always planned on 50-50. Right now, uh, we're really struggling. Actually, we have an episode coming out next week um, that's going to talk about this a little bit. And it was just originally a little bonus episode. We weren't going to do anything specific with it. Uh, just kind of pop it out extra, but it ended up being about a 35 minute conversation. And the last part of it is it's hard to get non-Catholics to trust us enough to actually do this. It's hard to get them to respond to an invitation or a request for an interview if they don't know the person. And so we're really trying to mobilize our listeners in getting that out there because a lot of, I mean, we live within our own networks of people and our networks of people happen to be largely Catholic. And so it's easy to find Catholic voices. It's easy to find other other religious folk um, who might be loosely Judeo-Christian, who might not be. Um, but the reality is the atheists we've had on, I know them. You know, I know them personally. They know me well enough. We have that bridge of trust built up. And so um, that's a big part of it. But I also don't just want Christians and atheists because that's, that's a good, you know, polarization, but it's not representative of, of American religiosity in any way, shape, or form. And so I'd love to get Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus on there, people who have specific faiths that, um, you know, that, that are different than us to be able to have these conversations with also. But that's a slower process to actually find those voices. So we really are actively looking for people out there who are find themselves believing different things to invite into that conversation a little bit more intentionally, because we'd like it to be about 50-50, and it wouldn't hurt my feelings if we originally got to three quarters non-Catholic and one quarter Catholic, because I do, I am more passionate about those conversations with non-Catholics, because it's it's who we are, it's how we it's how we evangelize, um, than I am with those who are already believing. Though I would never give up having beautiful conversations around how someone's come to know Christ through the church. Okay, so in the last minute here, what are the the first steps to begin having these conversations with those who are around us? Yeah, so right now we're actually working on a little PDF guide that'll go up on our Patreon um, that's just kind of called the Move Sheet. But the biggest thing is to get out there and actually care about people. So you have to actually want to get to know people and want to get to know who they are in the first place. And then from that, it becomes kind of orienting who that person is, you know, um, at getting to know a little bit about what they do, what they like, what they love, how they enjoy spending their time and kind of seeing the good things there. And then once you've kind of established a framework of trust, like I just talked about, you need you need a level of trust. starting to probe a little bit more deeply into those bigger life questions, which are things like, you know, what do you believe? But there's also great resources out there on questions. There's a thousand and one uh, questions by Gregory Poole. Um, and a lot of other things. And then that that lets you kind of sequence yourself down into deeper and deeper conversations um, that really help you ask those big life questions. We've been talking with Tony Vicinda. He is the host of the podcast Threshold. Get it on iTunes or over at thresholdpodcast.fm. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And we'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we've been talking about having threshold conversations. Our conversation's been with Tony Vicinda. He's got a new podcast called Threshold. You can get to it by going to iTunes, typing in Threshold in the search box, or by going to thresholdpodcast.fm. I highly encourage you to take a look. Listen to one or two of those just uh, here in this week, just as a way to begin to understand how to have these kinds of threshold conversations. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with someone else, have no fear. Everything's archived right over right now over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that episode archive link, and by the time that this show finishes airing, on the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcast Network, it will be up and podcast for you to go back and listen to again and again. While you're there at the website and you're looking around, take a look at that Patreon Support Us link and see if some of those rewards are enticing enough uh, to, to encourage you, to convince you to support us month in, month out, uh, as a way to continue this great quality content. And if you think it's great quality content, hey, there's just more stuff, right? Uh, why don't you go over to Best catholicwebsites.com, bestcatholicwebsites.com, and nominate Outside the Walls for the best podcast. Uh, that's a, a great website. It's the the Fisher's, we, uh, Fisher's Net Awards, uh, and we'd love to be considered for that. And while you're at it, why don't you go over to iTunes and leave us a review? So we've been talking about having these threshold conversations because God wants to meet people. God God wants for his love to be known around the world, right? And we are the means as members of the church for that to be done uh, in this day and age. You and I are God's, you've probably heard this a million times, we are plan A and there is no plan B, right? We are his hands and his feet. Paul calls us ministers of reconciliation and it's our responsibility as, as followers of Jesus Christ to make the love of God manifest in this day and age. So let's, let's do that, all right? Now, we're going to take a look at a reading from Scripture and a reading from church history. And these are both right in line uh, with what we've been talking about today. The first, of course, comes from the Gospel of Luke, and we hear the Lord Jesus appointed 72 disciples, whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink whatever is offered to you, for the laborer deserves payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And what a challenge this is for us. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. He's just sending out 72 of them, and he's saying, this is bigger than you. This is much bigger than you, so pray for help. (laughs) And we are that help. We are the ones that they prayed for. Now it's our job to continue it on and to also pray for help. Pray that the master of the harvest will send laborers, those who will go out and share the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand for you. Our reading from church history today comes from a treatise on John by St. Augustine. No one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Do not think that you were drawn against your will. The will is drawn also by love. We must not be afraid of men who weigh words, but are far from understanding what belongs above all to divine truth. They may find fault with this passage of Scripture and say to us, How can I believe of my own free will if I am drawn to believe? I answer, It is not enough that you are moved by the will, for you are drawn also by desire. What does this mean, to be drawn by desire? Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The heart has its own desires. It takes delight, for example, in the bread from heaven. The poet could say, everyone is drawn by his own desire. Not by necessity, but by desire. Not by compulsion, but by pleasure. We can say then with greater force that one who finds pleasure in truth, in happiness, in justice, in everlasting life, is drawn to Christ. For Christ is all these things. Are our bodily senses to have their desires, but not the will? If the will does not have its desires, how can Scripture say, the children of men will find their hope under the shadow of your wings? They will drink their fill from the plenty of your house, and you will give them drink from the running stream of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we shall see light. Show me one who loves. He knows what I mean. Show me one who is full of longing, one who is hungry, one who is a pilgrim and suffering from thirst in the desert of this world, eager for the fountain in the homeland of eternity. Show me someone like that, and he knows what I mean. But if I speak to someone without feeling, he does not understand what I'm saying. You have only to show a leafy branch to a sheep, and it is drawn to it. If you show nuts to a boy, he is drawn to them. He runs to them because he is drawn, drawn by love, drawn without any physical compulsion, drawn by a chain attached to his heart. Everyone is drawn by his own desires. This is a true saying, and earthly delights and pleasures set before those who love them succeed in drawing them. If this is so, are we to say that Christ, revealed and set before us by the Father, does not draw us? What? does the soul desire more than truth? Why then does the soul have hungry jaws, a spiritual palate, as it were, sensitive enough to judge the truth, if not in order to eat and drink wisdom, justice, truth, eternal life? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, that is here on earth. They shall be satisfied, that is in heaven. Christ says, I give each what he loves. I give each the object of his hope. He will see what he believed in, though without seeing it. 
What he now hungers for, he will eat. What he now thirsts for, he will drink to the full. When? At the resurrection of the dead. For I will raise him up on the last day. That reading comes from a treatise on John by St. Augustine. And this, uh, this ties back into something that we were talking about with Tony earlier in the show. Uh, the idea that we have to step back from the conversations, from the passion of the conversations, from the investment of saying, I, I really need this to end uh, in, with them agreeing with everything I'm saying, right? As we share the gospel, our desire is that they would come into a full understanding of the truth. But it's not our job entirely. We have the responsibility to share, but it's the job of the Holy Spirit to bring about the increase, right? We can be faithful, we can be obedient, we can share, we can listen, we can be open and vulnerable with those who are near us, we can build bridges of trust so that they are more open to hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who draws no one comes to the Father, no one comes to me, Christ says, unless the Father draws him. So you and I, we can do everything we want. We can uh, lay out the perfect case, and if they're not in a place where the Father's drawing him, uh, then, then all we've done is prepare the field for someone else for some later time. And we've, we've, uh, we've shown them a beautiful picture of Christianity, right? So if, I, if I'm not the one who's going to determine whether or not this person comes into the fullness of faith or not. If I'm not the one who, through my, my wit and my wisdom and my the laying out the conversation just perfectly, if I'm not the one who bears the responsibility of bringing them full circle into the fullness of faith, then all of a sudden that takes a little bit of pressure off of me. It allows me uh, to do my best to share the beauty and the goodness and the truth of who Jesus is. But ultimately, it's not my responsibility for their outcome. My outcome is to share with them the desire for truth. They have a desire for truth. It's an eight within them, right? And hopefully by giving them a display of the truth, their hearts will be drawn toward it. They may not even fully understand. You know, my, my cousin, I talk about him. We, we had a conversation with him a few weeks ago uh, as he's doing a podcast on the Protestant uh, Reformation, um, which is still going on over at sjbcathedral.org. But, you know, I, I would bring up some things. I remember the first one I think that I brought up to him was praying to the saints. And he, he presented me with this picture of truth, goodness, and beauty. And I looked at it and, and I assented to it. And I, okay, I've got that. But it still took me 10 years to come into the fullness of faith. And if he had been uptight about that conversation and had not continued to have those conversations with me, I might never have come in. So let's go this week, open to the Holy Spirit, willing to be vulnerable with those around us, willing to have those threshold conversations. It's all the time we have for this week. Outside the Walls is made possible by the contributions of our Patreon supporters, go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.